Open your Bibles again to Psalm number 51. I want to look again at this passage of Scripture in just a moment as I preach on the subject today, making a comeback, <clears throat> making a comeback. The Bible is an amazing book of those who came back to good and right and success and peace and safety from a life of despair and near destruction. I'm glad our God is a God of a second chance. And the third and the fourth and the fifth and the tenth, aren't you? He's a wonderful, wonderful God. The truth is the, the prayer that the psalmist prayed of confession and desiring that God would forgive him and restore his joy to take away his guilt. This is a prayer that every child of God ought to keep close to their heart and mind and ought to, ought to be the prayer and desire of every Christian. Look at it again, beginning in verse number 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Wasn't it beautiful on Christmas morning to see everything covered with snow? No matter what the color, no matter what it was, it was just a beautiful white blanket of snow. And that's the picture the psalmist is saying. Verse number 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken, that's a price of sin. Sin is costly. Sin isn't worth it. The devil's a liar. That thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins. The psalmist was ashamed. Blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not the Holy Spirit or don't take your comfort, your closeness from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Heavenly Father, as I preach the message this morning, I want to be an encouragement to every child of God and a challenge to every Christian. There may be some today who would say, well, I don't need this message. I'm in the will of God. The truth is all of us need it because all of us deal with a heart that grows cold and hard towards spiritual things and the things that we're supposed to love and live for. And I pray that today our heart's desire would be to be yet closer to Thee, O Lord. Help me as I preach. Fill me with your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Not everyone that left the will of God was able to return to a place of joy and gladness. Samson left the will of God and perhaps wasted more potential than any of the Old Testament men who had great strength and ability and because of his sin, his life was cut short. I think of the two sons of Eli that grew up in the temple. They knew right. They did right. But in their disobedience, and I don't know if it was because they became apathetic toward the things of God that they did again and again and again, and I, I fear that sometimes you and I coming to this place as service after service and singing the songs and going through the same type of service that we would become cold like those two sons of Eli and would come to the place that the things of God don't mean anything. 
And one day they offered a strange fire and as a result God took their life and their potential was never realized. I think of Lot who never returned to the joy of the will of God. His family was ruined because he went down to Sodom and his wife and his family gone because of his choice and his choices and his decisions and he never had that day that he was able to see his prayer answered uh, that the psalmist prayed here that the joy of the Lord would return to his life. However, there are many in the scripture who overcame failure. In fact, every person in the scripture that overcame, overcame sin and failure. Many overcame themselves and pride and they came back to a place of service for the Lord. Our text passage is one of the greatest comebacks in all of the Bible as far as the will of God is concerned. David, of course, uh, had not only sinned to cover up his sin, he sinned again and to cover up his sin he was dishonest and to cover up that dishonesty he was deceptive and he came to the place that all of that was within his heart and all of that was within his mind and he couldn't even stand to hear somebody else sing, let alone sing himself. And that great psalmist who had written, who had penned, who had played, who had sung so many songs, he had no joy, he had no gladness because of his sin. Thank God for that prophet Nathan that stood that day and said to David, David, thou art the man. And conviction came to the place that he said, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live with this conviction. I don't want to live with this guilt. And he came to this time of prayer and God did forgive his sin and God did restore the joy of his salvation. May I say this morning, God loves us and God wants us to be in the center of his will. The prodigal son got to come home from the hog pen of sin. I'm glad he did. The prodigal son, he wasted his inheritance uh, in riotous living. And, and uh, the only dividends that riotous living ever pays is, is shame and pain. That's all it ever pays. Uh, regret and thank God for the day. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15, the Bible says this, and he came to himself. He quit playing games in his mind. He quit trying to deceive himself and to deceive others. He said, I will arise and go to my father's house. And I will say to my father, I've sinned against thee and against heaven. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And, and he decided that day that he would ask if his father would make him just a hired servant that he could work for his dad so he could have a adequate food and a warm place to stay. Oh, was he surprised that day as he began to make that long journey back home. And the Bible said that his father saw him a great way off. And when he saw him, he ran toward his son and he met him and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And he began to rejoice. This my son was lost, is found. And he came home, of course, and they killed a fatted calf and they had a time of rejoicing. I'm glad the prodigal son came to himself. That's a comeback story in the Bible. Young John Mark left the will of God from a missionary journey that he was on with the Apostle Paul. 
He went home in times of difficulty. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about the story except that he went back home and Paul later would not take him again uh, when he wanted to go on another missionary journey and Barnabas being the kind of person that he was and being a friend uh, and, uh, and a mentor to young men. He took John Mark back and the Bible uh, gives us uh, the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. Uh, that's a good comeback story. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be away from the will of God. I don't, want to, I don't want to be away from the, uh, from the comfort. I don't want to be away from the, uh, uh, from the love and the closeness of being close to the Lord. Uh, the uh, uh, young John Mark, he experienced what it was like to come back. Jacob was a man with much potential and promise. Jacob had a hard time accepting the will of God. Jacob believed that he was smarter than God. He believed that he was smarter than the will of God. Jacob was one of the fellows who believed he was smarter than everybody. He went around deceiving and, and, he, and he made himself wealthy in those deceptions, but there was no joy and gladness. Finally, the day came, his father asked him a question. It's a hard question. What is your name? Think of that. His father asked him, what, what is your name? Now, why did he ask him that? Because before he had asked him and he had lied, uh, saying he was his brother, uh, working to trick his father and to steal uh, from his brother and to steal from his father. But finally, the day came that Jacob realized God's will is better than my will. And God's ways are better than my ways. And God's thinking is better. And can I tell you something? I don't care how smart, how intelligent, how successful we are this morning. Uh, this book right here is always right. Uh, and when it crosses what we think or what we believe, uh, uh, we need to listen to the Word of God. Amen. Thank God for the patience and the love of an almighty God that brought Jacob back. And when Jacob answered that question of his father, what is your name? He answered correctly, I am Jacob. And he said, you're no longer Jacob, but he said, you're Israel and you're a prince with God. And God used him in a great and mighty way. And that is a great comeback story in the Bible. You know, as Elijah is a man that we don't think of a failure much because of the great victories in his life and the type of victories that he had. But Elijah had a time of discouragement. In fact, Elijah had a time of depression. Elijah had a time that he laid under the juniper tree and he was so discouraged, he said that. And, 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 and when you look at all the story, it's sort of, it's sort of uh, uh, humorous when you read. Uh, you, you know, he prayed down fire from heaven and, and uh, that was a miraculous event. And, and all the people cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And then Jezebel wrote him a letter and said, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to take your life, I'm going to kill you. And the man of God that had just prayed down fire from heaven, he ran like a scaredy cat. I mean, he ran from Jezebel. He gets over there and he gets discouraged and he says this to God, Lord, just take my life. There's no more reason for me to live. Now, this is what is uh, sort of humorous to me. I'm thinking, Elijah, uh, Elijah, if you really wanted to die, why didn't you stay in town? She was going to kill you by the next day. She'd have done that for you. You wouldn't have had to lay there in all that agony. Just stayed in town. And Jezebel, she would have killed you. She killed Naboth. She knew how to do it. She knew how to get it done. He didn't really want to die. And by the way, when you say, I don't want to live, you don't really mean that either. Amen. What you're saying is, I don't want to live like this. 
Now listen to me. When you fail and the devil puts in your heart and puts in your mind the words, I just don't want to live anymore. What you really mean is I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to live with the guilt of sin. I want to live with the guilt of failure. And thank God you don't have to live that way. Uh, You can be a comeback as uh, the Bible tells us that Elijah was. And he told Elijah he was laying there asleep. And I like what God said to him. He said, get up. Kindly, graciously, get up. God had a work for him to do. The great apostle Peter, in a time of fear, a time that he was in the wrong place with the wrong people, they were about to crucify Jesus. And they said, you're with Jesus, aren't you? He said, no, 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 I'm, 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 you're mistaken. I'm not with him. Yes, you, you, well, your speech is like that of, of, of Jesus. And, of course, Peter trying to convince him, he began to curse as a, as a heathen and curse like the world and trying to convince them that certainly wasn't a follower of Christ. No follower of Christ would talk like that and he denied that he knew the Lord Of course, Peter had a problem with pride like so many of us do. All of us that live in flesh have that problem. And and Peter having a problem with pride. And the Lord told him, he said, Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And of course, Peter said, I'll never fail. I'll go with you all the way to the cross. I'll die for you, Jesus. I'll die with you. And of course, when he cursed and he swore and he said he didn't know the Lord the old rooster began to crow. Well, that conviction set in. It began to cry and it began to weep. The Bible said this, that Peter wept bitterly. Peter lived in a time of discouragement for a while. Jesus was crucified. Peter said to the fellows, I'm going back to the business of fishing. I'm going back to the old life. I've tried serving God. I've tried walking with God. I'm going to go back to fishing. And some said, I tell you what, Peter, we'll go with you. And by the way, be, be careful when you leave the will of God. You, you'll take folks with you. You don't just hurt yourself. You'll hurt others. You'll hurt your family. You'll hurt friends. Just, just it, It's better to struggle in the will of God than it is to give up on the will of God. But Peter struggled and he said, I'm going back to fishing. I love it. The Bible says that when Jesus arose from the grave and he began to appear to folks, he said this, go tell Peter and the disciples. He didn't name all the disciples, but he named the one that had left the will of God. You know what he was saying? I don't want you to go out into the world. I don't want you to leave my will. I want you to come back to my will. I want you to know the joy and the peace and the gladness that comes from doing what's right. And he said, Peter, I want you to come back. And thank God Peter did come back. And you open the Bible to the book of Acts in chapter 2 and you find that there were 3,000 that were saved and baptized and added to the church. It was Peter that was doing the preaching. What a great comeback that it was all of us to some degree have to make the decision to come back to the perfect will of God all of us to some degree we have to realize that sometimes our heart grows cold toward God you see we're in this old temple of clay we're in a flesh of sin. I'm glad 
that the Holy Spirit lives within us, but there is a constant warfare. And anybody tells you that they're not in warfare in their life, they've given up to the flesh because all of us are in a fight to do what's right. It's just not you that's struggling. Every child of God that has within them the Spirit of God is still fighting the old desires of the flesh. And we have to work so hard to feed the Spirit of God and to control our flesh and to live in the will of God. And all of us to some degree have to make the decision again and again. I don't want to get away from God. I don't want my heart to grow cold. I don't want my mind to grow tired. I don't want my body to lead me into laziness and to temptation and into sin. And we have to come back and we have to say, Oh, Heavenly Father, I want to restore my relationship. I'm sorry, I want to restore my fellowship with you. The relationship never changes. Your children may disappoint you. They may change their name. They may move to a different place. They'll always be your children, but the fellowship is broken. There's times that you and I, all of us have to come and say, Lord, I want my fellowship to be what's right. My father was saved as a teenager at the Red Hill Missionary Baptist Church just outside of Chavez, a little place where he and his family and parents and grandparents had grown up. And he was saved in that church. After he and my mom got married, he got busy working and he got out of church. My mom used to take me to church and she took her Bible, she took her purse and she took a switch, just a little limb that she took. I don't know why she always took that and laid it down beside her Bible between me and her. But anyway, sometimes I look over there and see if she's got a switch now uh, because some of you need it while I'm preaching. And uh, uh, my mama took me to church, but my dad got away from the Lord. My dad was a smart man. Uh, he was not highly educated, but very intelligent man. He was a very hardworking man. In fact, Time Magazine in 1969 had an article about my dad and his future in the Kroger Company. He was a hard worker and he was an up-and-coming uh, worker in the Kroger Company. But I thank God for a preacher, Brother Clyde Jones Jr. at the Bible Baptist Church, West 2nd Street in Xenia, Ohio. He would come by to see my dad on Thursday evening. In fact, later my dad would tell the story. I hated to go home on Thursday evening because that old preacher would always come by and say, I want you to be in church on Sunday. I want you to be in church. He said, I'd stay late and the preacher would come late. He said, he was always bothering me. The day came. He said, I finally went to church so he'd leave me alone. He said, I went to church. He preached on every sin I'd committed all week and like he'd been following me around. I said, I'll never go back there again. Two or three weeks later, he said, I went back and finally... And oh, I want to thank God today that my dad walked that aisle and said, I want to come back to the will of God. I want to do God's will for my life. I thank God and oh, how I've thanked him so many times. For three and a half years, he worked there and helped in that church as a layman. And in 1972, God called him to preach in July 13, 1972. He started the Bible Baptist Church in Hazard and had the privilege to grow up in that ministry and grow up in that church from the time it started until his death in 1985. And because he came back, I had the privilege and my two brothers and I had the privilege to grow up in a godly and a Christian home. Oh, listen. 
listen to me, young dad. Don't take your children out of the will of God. Don't leave the will of God, but stay in the will of God. There's nothing but hurt and heartache and shame and embarrassment and pain and brokenness outside the will of God. I want to say today, if you're away from the will of God, you ought to come back to God today. One of my favorite verses in counseling with folks who feel like their life has been such a waste. And I tell them, if you'll come back to God, you'll be amazed what God will do. In fact, Joel chapter 2, the Old Testament prophet, Joel 2.25. You can write it down, look it up later. Here's what he said. I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. Now what God is saying here, when you got away from me, I punished you. Now, I didn't punish you because I don't love you. I punished you because I don't want sin to destroy you. I punished you so you'll leave sin and come back to where comfort is. So you'll leave sin and come back to where security is. So you'll leave sin and come back where you can sing a song and meet it on the outside and experience it on the inside as well. He said, I'll restore to you those wasted years. Now, there are three things that you need in having a comeback in your Christian life. I want to give them to you this morning. Three simple things. Number one, have confidence that God still loves you. Have confidence that God still loves you. You see, sin always embarrasses us. Failure always shames us. And the devil magnifies that shame like he does a broken tooth with your tongue. You break a tooth off, put your tongue in there, and it feels like the Grand Canyon. You look at it in the mirror and you can't find it. The devil says that your sin, your sin has destroyed you and you will never ever again enjoy the blessings of God again. Hear me well, the old devil's a liar. I want you to have confidence this morning. You're sitting here today. God still loves you. David knew, even though with all of the sin that he was guilty of, with a broken heart, David knew that God still loved him. And in this psalm, in Psalm number 51, as he began to pour out his heart to God, he poured his heart out to a God that he knew loved him. I want you to hear this statement. If God loved you as a sinner, he loves you as a son. If he loved you and you were lost in your sins and lost and undone and you were not a child of the Father but you were a child of the devil, if he loved you when you were a sinner, he, he certainly loves you as a son of God. Those of us that have children and have grandchildren, dear friend, there are things that disappoint and hurt and there are things that have brought tears and we have done things to bring hurt and heartache and tears to our parents, but we cannot destroy that love. And thank God, the love that our Father has for us is 10,000 times greater than the love I have for my children, though it's difficult to comprehend. God loves us this morning, and God wants us to have the confidence that He loves us. I've seen many leave the will of God, but believe that the devil... Believe the devil's lie to say God, God doesn't love you anymore. And I've seen them die lonely away from God. I've seen it happen this year. 
I've seen folks that have sat in these very seats in this building. We've only been in this building a little more than a year. I've seen folks that have left the will of God and when they go out their sin embarrassed them and shamed them and they didn't want to come back to church because they felt like everybody was looking at them and God didn't love them and they stayed out there in their sin and, and the devil took their life from them. Have confidence that God loves you. Let me give you this verse. Romans 5 verse 20. If you don't have time to find it, write it down. Romans 5 verse number 20. The second part of that verse says this. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Ah, the sin of the prodigal son, it did abound. Thank God, but grace did much more abound. The sin of Peter to curse and swear and say that he didn't know the Savior, what a shame it was, and sin abounded. But thank God, the grace of God abounded much more than the sin in his life. Have confidence that he loves you. Number two, you must confess your sin to God. Jacob had to come clean of his dishonesty with God. He had to come clean with God. Now folks, listen. Now, now listen. We, we, don't, we don't need to put a, a, a new coat of paint on it. We need to clean it up from the inside out. I was having some work done to my house and... Um, Brother Donovan was doing some work on my house and I got some water behind uh, a, uh, some vinyl siding and it had rotted the wood and he sent me a picture of it. And, and, and the picture he sent me, he was telling me we need to replace all this and I texted him back and I said, that's sure going to need a good coat of paint. Well, it took him a while before he texted me back and he said, I think maybe we should replace the wood. And I text back again. I knew the wood had to be replaced. I said, D don't, don't, uh, don't you have the ability to paint that and just, just cover all that up? So he called me. He said, preacher? I said, Donovan, I'm just kidding. I know it has to be replaced. I was just kidding you. Uh, paint's cheaper than replacing all that. But that's how we often want to deal with sin. Let's just cover it up. God said, let's not cover it up. Let's get rid of it. Let, 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 let's, just, let's just get rid of that. Well, there's so many things I want to preach, and I'm looking at my clock, and it's running fast. Does anybody have a clock that shows anything less than 10.25, 11.25? We have to confess our sin. Write this down, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he didn't say if we cover our sin. He said if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen to this statement. We ought to want to get rid of sin like we'd want to get rid of a spot of cancer on a lung, a kidney, or liver. If the doctor said it's the very smallest spot, but I believe it's cancer, you'd want to get rid of it. You'd want to get, and you'd want a doctor that was honest enough to tell you what it was. And I'm telling you this morning, you can't have the joy of the Lord with sin in your life. And it can't be covered. It has to be confessed. We have to come clean before God. As the psalmist did in Psalm number 51, as he poured his heart out to God and he confessed his sin, he no longer tried to cover it up. Let me give you the third thing and I'm finished. Allow God's word to cleanse you. 
I want to give you something that's so important. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I believe in the importance of using the altar and praying, getting right with God, making important decisions. I believe in that. I, I, I believe in prayers of rededication. I, I, I believe in that. I believe in using the altar. I believe in prayer. But I want you to hear something. Prayer does not cleanse you from sin. Prayer confesses the sin. The scripture cleanses you from sin. You need to read the word of God. Wherewithal shall a young man be cleansed of his sin by taking heed thereto to the word of God. I need to read it and read it and read it and read it. I've got to tell you one of my favorite stories and I'll finish. A little boy, it was wash day. Now those of you who grew up like I did, you know what wash day meant. You had to carry the water to the washing machine that was set on the back porch, the old ringer washing machine, the Maytag washing machine, and the number two wash tub that's set up there, and you'd have to go get the, get the buckets and carry the water from the well or wherever it was. And I remember Grandma doing wash day. A little boy, it was wash day, and his mama said, Son, go get water for the washing machine. In a hurry, he just took a weave basket, just a weave basket, hanging from the porch, and he ran down to the creek. And he filled it up, and by the time he got back to the washing machine, of course, the basket was empty. He took off running, and he said, I'm going to have to run faster. And so he filled it up again. He, run his, he ran as fast. He run and he ran as fast as he could. <laughs> you ought to try it sometimes. Not as easy as what it looks. And, 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 and he ran as fast as he could, and he got back in just a little bit of water. He took off running the third time. He was running just as hard as he could run. He thought, I'll never get it filled up. This, 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 this basket won't hold water. He said, Mama, he said, I'm sorry I failed. She said, well, you haven't completely failed. She said, at least the basket's clean. You may read the word of God and say, I don't understand it. Keep reading it. You may not understand it all, but it'll clean your basket. The Word of God will cleanse you. You want to be close to God? First of all, I have confidence that God loves you like He always has. If He loves you as a sinner, He loves you as a son. Have confidence. Second of all, confess your sin. Don't cover it. Don't, don't try to make excuse. Just tell God, I've sinned. I did wrong. I'm telling you straight out I did wrong. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Confess it. Third of all, let the Word of God cleanse it. And you read Psalm 51 and you'll find out everything David prayed for, he got it. His joy returned, his song returned, his love for life returned. And God will do the same for us as we long to be close to him. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that when our sin is confessed, the guilt is removed. Condemnation is taken away. We're freed from the old voice of the accuser in the back of our mind constantly repeating our sin. When we confess our sin, it's buried in the sea of forgetfulness. The penalty and the pollution of our sin is gone and our joy and song is restored. I pray that all of us today, no matter where we are in our Christian life, would long for and desire for the closest of fellowships that we can enjoy with you. 
Lord, as sometimes a child hugs a mom and dad and says, I just can't hug you close enough. That's how it ought to be in our relationship with you. Bless our invitation, I pray in Jesus' name.